Thanks, Danny. I love Washington. Excuse me. I need to dismiss you. I beg your pardon? I'm not through with my examination. Sit down. Colonel. What's that? I'd appreciate if he would dress me as Colonel or Sir. I believe I've earned it. Defense counsel will address the witness as Colonel or Sir. I don't know what the hell kind of unit you're running here. And the witness will address this court as judge or your honor. I'm quite certain I've earned it. Take your seat, Colonel. The Floyd Mayweather-Manny Pacquiao fight. Just about had it with this thing. Why? It's too much, man. The hype is getting to be too much. And I find that Floyd Mayweather to be extremely unlikable. What is it the, uh, what, five or six spousal abuse accusations or domestic abuse, or is it just his attitude in general? All of it. He was a beating on Dancing with the Stars, too. Uh-oh. Here we go. <laughs> Dancing with the Stars. Man, what is going to happen when that show goes away, Tony? A little piece of your soul is going to go away. Go on the I'm air worried again. about that. <laughs> Hi there, everyone. This is the Ballroom Blitz. I am Tony the Engineer. Welcome back. Well, here we go with episode three of the Ballroom Blitz. And I think it's time we kind of leave the backstory of, uh, you know, who I am and how I got to the ticket and how I got to the ticket involved with Dancing with the Stars, how they all mesh together. We're going to leave that uh, for the history books and for episode one and two. So if you're new to the podcast here and you wonder, who I am and what gives you the right to talk about Dancing with the Stars, well, uh, you can get the backstory uh, going back to look at episode one of the Ballroom Blitz. But uh, we got more important things to get to here. Uh, episode two of Dancing with the Stars aired on Monday, September 27th, and we had our first elimination, which we're certainly going to get into in a bit here. I did kind of want to go over uh, some ratings information. You know, this... Uh, the show has had quite a few changes the last couple seasons, and uh, they've made no uh, secret of the fact that they're trying to go for the younger demographic. And it worked well for them last year. Uh, last year's show with Tyra Banks as the new host saw an increase of about 10% in the 18 to 49-year-old demographic. And that's nothing to laugh at. That's pretty good. In fact, of all the network shows last year, only two went up in the younger demographic because network shows are, you know, losing people like crazy. So uh, that was a good thing. And uh, I thought, well, let's see if we can continue it into uh, season 30. Well, the numbers for the premiere episode were back uh, right away. And unfortunately, they were not good. The uh, 18 to 49 demographic was down 31% from the previous year. Now, um, I think the, the younger demographic did increase as we went through last year, so it's a bad number, but 
it's not awful because uh, everything's going down. You know, whenever I have a, a comparison I want to do, I look at The Voice. The Voice has always been kind of the uh, other reality show with Dancing with the Stars that was always like the king of the hill, obviously after Idol left long ago. But uh, they would always move in about lockstep, really. You know, uh, each each show would be down 5 to 10% every year. That's just kind of natural attrition as uh, things go away and shows get long in the tooth and you get more and more options with streaming and so forth. But uh, The Voice was only down 17%. Now, that's bad, but it's not as bad as 30%. So... Uh, that's not a good way to start off for sure. Now, we looked at last week's episode, and what, what they do is they compare it to the previous year's episode. So one year ago, the episode was uh, down 13% uh, in the younger demographic, and it was only down 5% in the older demographic, So, or overall, rather, sorry. So that's not too bad, the 5% drop, but uh, we'll have to see how things kind of sort themselves out because, uh, you know, now ratings are getting to be a concern. Uh, last year for the entire rating season, it was the number two show on ABC, which is important. Obviously, it's no longer a top 10 show overall, but I'm sure ABC looks at their stable of shows and, you know, if you're still number two, yeah, there's no problem. You'll probably be coming back. And the only thing that beat it was Celebrity Wheel of Fortune, which is kind of a unique show. You know, it's got a built-in audience already and and uh, all that, Pat and Vanna. So, I was pretty impressed with that last year. Now we got to see what happens this year. And uh, like I said, it was a rough start, but we'll see how the other ABC shows do. And, you know, if it's still in the top five of ABC, I would like to think that it's uh, going to make it another year. In terms of overall numbers, the premiere brought in 5.4 million, and last week's show was 5.1 million. That's a very small drop from the premiere. Usually the premiere is a big, big number, and then there's a big drop off. So I kind of think everybody saw what Tyra was last year and they kind of know what they're getting. And I'm thinking from the initial numbers that maybe the young people have decided, ah, you know, maybe it's not as, uh, as uh, good as we thought it was going to be. And they've left. But uh, we'll just have to kind of see, like I said, how it goes going forward. Okay, well, let's jump right into uh, the show and, and the dances. Now, you know, we still had 15 contestants. So I'm not going to dive deep into each of these uh, dances that we're going to go over because that would take forever. And a lot of things can change over time too. So we'll just hit the highlights of, of each of the dances. And maybe then when we get down to eight to 10 people left, we can dive a little deeper into what they need to do to get better and exactly what's what they need to do to proceed you know, along. Uh, the first up on Monday night's show was Matt, The Bachelor. And he danced to samba. And, you know, Matt, the first thing he did about it was take off his shirt. And I get it, boy. He, he is ripped. He's got an eight-pack, and he's showing it off. And I didn't think the dance was that bad because I've got an impression of what I think Bachelor Nation usually sends us. And I'd say from what I've seen in the first couple dances, he's one of the better dances, dancers from Bachelor Nation that we've gotten here. Now, is he going to last a long time? Probably not, especially because of the judges' save now. Uh, Bachelor Nation is going to vote him in each week, but eventually um, he's going to get to the bottom two, and then the judges will, I'm sure, send him home by the time he is at bottom two. There will only be good dancers left. Uh, big thing for him is with most men, uh, the hip movement. Boy, the rumba and the samba and those Latin dances that require a lot of hip movement. Men just aren't really good on that. And I think Len commented on his feet too. But uh, I thought it was pretty good. They didn't score him very well. Gave him a 22. 
and that was actually a decrease from week uh, one. So who knows about Matt? But I think he's doing all right. It's just I don't you know see him lasting much longer than the middle of the season. Uh, Olivia was next with Val, and they did the Viennese waltz. You know, she's really uh, impressed me. Uh, when I first saw her, I think I said this last week on Good Morning America, she seemed rather shy and kind of overwhelmed by the whole process. And, you know, she's very young. Uh, but she's dancing like a, a well-seasoned person. I think she's doing a pretty good job there, too. Um, I noticed always when, when Val is your partner, and this is kind of off topic of the dance, but notice this if uh, you're watching the show. Every time that she's getting judges critique, Val has to say something. And it's just so irritating. And it's, it's very normal now. But he's there. The judges are critiquing her. And Val's got to, you know, jump in with what he has to jump in with. But uh, she looked fantastic. It was kind of a I think that one of the judges said it was a breath of fresh, fresh air, a very nice uh, waltz around the uh, ballroom floor. Kenya was next dancing the cha-cha. And the first impression from for her is, man, she's 50 years old and she's rocking it. She looks great. She moves really well still. And, uh, you know, I like, I like what I'm seeing. Again, I don't expect her to last very long because in the history of the show, Real Housewives have not lasted very long. The voting public is not very kind to them. And I'm not sure why exactly. It's just the women on that show tend to be a little, I guess, attitudinal. And that doesn't go well here on the show. I haven't really seen that out of her yet. But uh, so far, so good. Uh, the Miz was up next, the wrestler. He did a tango, good dance for him, kind of an aggressive, forceful dance. And, you know, The Miz is a performer. At the WWE, the wrestling thing, that's his whole bit. You know, you are a performer in that thing. And obviously, he's in great shape and, and uh, very strong and all that. He's probably got a pretty good core just because of the strength of his body. But uh, he comes out, and he really is full throttle on everything. And I know that's his persona in WWE, but I think uh, you got to dial that back a little bit. Um, but overall, better than expected. And, you know, he seems to have a pretty good personality with the fans. So he might have some fan support, especially from the uh, WWE folks if they're watching and voting. So he might hang around a little bit. Uh, next up, Brian Austin Green with his partner, Sharna. Sharna as I mentioned, that, was, that is his uh, real-life partner. In uh, you know, Last week was a very affectionate dance, and then this week they had the rumba, which, of course, is a very sensual, can-be-sexy dance. And I thought they would excel at this because it came across pretty good the week before, I thought, the affection that they showed. But this wasn't a very good dance, in my opinion, from him. He did go down from the previous week, only a point. But I had high hopes for him. He was one of my people to watch in week one. And, you know, week two is tough because you only have the six days to learn a new dance. But he did a lot of posturing. And, you know, the rumba is kind of the woman's dance. The man doesn't do a whole lot of movement except for the hips and swaying and so forth. But he did, like I said, a lot of just kind of standing around and posturing, I thought, and posing, which uh, didn't come across so great. Uh, next up, Christine. And Christine's my new favorite on the show. They did a package about her on air, and it turns out she has seen every episode of Dancing with the Stars, and she's been in the audience a whole bunch of times. They showed some pictures of her in the audience in the background from old shows. So definitely a kindred spirit for me there. Uh, but I'm really worried for Christine, and we'll talk about this a little later. Might as well mention it now. She fell into the bottom two this week, and it's a crying shame because she fits the profile of a certain time of type of person on this show that just historically does not do well with the voters. And that is you're a woman, 
you're young, you're a fairly good dancer, you're pretty, and you're an unknown. And for whatever reason, the fan base treats these people poorly. And we know we did the most wronged person list, what, uh, two shows ago. And that list is littered with these type of people, almost all female, almost all younger and good looking, and nobody knows them. And I think it's a shame because she's a very good dancer. Now, the thing with her is we got the judges save. And so I'm kind of letting the cat out of the bag here. She was saved uh, that night when she was in the bottom two. And I'm afraid she's going to have to be saved a bunch over the course of the uh, the show's uh, history here in, in season 30. But we'll just have to see how that plays out. Uh, Jimmy, the country singer, was next. And he did a rumba also with his partner. And it, it was really good. <laughs> he, he, he's impressing me too because I had no expectations for him. And when you have no expectations, it doesn't take much to impress me really. It's like, can you make some movements? Can you do some... Uh, uh, stretching and posing that you need to do in the rumba. And he did a really, really good job with it. I thought, like I said, with Brian's earlier, it was more of, of posing and posturing where Jimmy seemed to be involved in the dance and was doing a lot of stretching and so forth. And uh, pretty good uh, hip work, I would say, for, for a gentleman. So not bad, not bad at all. He had a score of 27, which was one of the higher scores for the second week anyways. Amanda was next. She's my pick to win it, I guess, early on. A lot can change, of course, in the, in the course of the season. But she's a trained dancer. She's got the uh, story of her husband passing away from COVID that they played again this week. I hope they don't do that every week, but I guess occasionally it's not bad. And it certainly brings in some votes, I think. But not that she needs them other than for popularity reasons because she's a fantastic dancer. I think the judges will save her if she ever does fall into the bottom two all the way to the finale. She did have the high score of the night, and as a side note, in my fantasy, my fantasy league, Dancing with the Stars Fantasy League, I picked her to have the dance of the night, so that's always good for the points there, so thanks, Amanda, for that. Uh, next up, JoJo, the young, uh, young girl, uh, 18 years old, who's just uh, full of energy beyond belief. They showed her home, and she's the gal that's just got... I don't know, sparkly and colorful and glittery everywhere. And her home is just crazy looking. And uh, again, you know, she's a young girl or a young woman and it, it, it works for her. It's just one of those, do you tone it down at all? And I noticed in the first two weeks too with her partner, Jenna, they're wearing the exact same outfits. And I know this is a unique thing being the same sex couples and all that, but I wonder if that's going to wear a little thin too, wearing the exact same things. And maybe they'll go away from it this week, but the first two weeks they had the same clothing on. And, uh, you know, I'm nitpicking here because she's a great dancer. She's got plenty of background experience and the judges won't let her go anywhere. She'll be there in the final two, I'm sure. Next up, Iman, the basketball player. Uh, he had a rumba too. And again, a tough dance for a man, especially a, a man that's what, a foot and a half maybe, <laughs> taller than his partner. Uh, it's really tough for guys to move their hips, but again, I think he's doing really well. Both he and Matt, Matt, like I mentioned, for the Bachelor Nation and Iman from the uh, basketball world, they're doing better than other members of their fraternity were doing. Uh, the, the basketball player has had a tough go here in the history of the show, and he's probably not going to get too far because the judges won't let him, but uh, at the same time, I like what he's doing, and he looks pretty good with a rumba for sure. Oh, good old Martin was next, and he was dancing the cha-cha. We talked about Martin last week. He had the low score, of course, and he had the low score again in this show. 
uh, you know, again, it's a 75-year-old man that can't move much. Now, he moved a little better than the first week. And, you know, Len kind of said that in the critique. That's kind of what we hope for. <laughs> Even if you're not going to be a great dancer, we want you to get better each week. And he got a little better. But still, the movement is limited. And again, I think it's age-related. I don't think there's much more he can do. And so uh, better than before, but still not very good. Sorry, Martin. Uh, Melora Harden next. She had a rumba also. And Melora is an interesting story for me. I, uh, I tend to forget her dances. Now, there's 15 people, so someone's going to be forgotten. But that's not a good place to be where people are forgetting your dance. It, it just kind of blends into the woodwork. And, you know, when I come across her after the show's over, I'm looking over my notes. I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot all about her dance and forgot that it was pretty good. And that's really a bad sign when it's a pretty good dance and you're still kind of unforgettable. And it's nothing she's doing wrong. Uh, I think it's just maybe her age a little bit and her personality. She's not uh, in your face type person and, and real outgoing. Um, she is or she can be at times, but again, for whatever reason, she's blending into the woodwork for me. A good score, but uh, I don't know how much longer she's going to last either. Okay, now we get to uh, Cody and his partner, Cheryl. Now, Cheryl, you probably heard, um, contracted COVID. So she was not in the ballroom. Cody, her partner, even though he's tested positive, he was not in the ballroom either, uh, mainly for cautionary reasons, I think. And the rules state that you can use the rehearsal footage for uh, the judges. And that's what they had to do. Now, the rehearsal footage, it wasn't even a dress rehearsal, which is near the end, and she had already found, near the end of the week, and she had already found out she had COVID. The regular rehearsal, you know, they're not wearing any nice clothing, and uh, the shoes are weird, and the clothing's weird, and they look kind of weird to just no makeup and all that stuff. So it was a totally different look. We don't see that very often on the show. And the judges have to judge the dance based on that rehearsal package. Uh, they didn't give him a very good score, you know, four sixes, but they, they would not let Cody go home for sure because he's probably the best male dancer we have. And another one that I assume if he gets better and better at what he does, he's going to be in the finale. So he wasn't going anywhere. Next week, he'll probably have to dance with Britt, I'm thinking, who was the professional that was eliminated on uh, Monday's show. Next up, Mel C., the Spice Girl. And she's kind of been my dark, dark, horse, oh, I can't say it, dark horse pick on the uh, women's side. Everybody knows about JoJo and Amanda and Suni, but I think they're forgetting a little bit about Mel C. She's really good. And she did a great job last night with the Foxtrot. Um... You know, I, I even hesitate to bring this up. I'm a little concerned about her partner, Gleb. Gleb's a veteran of the show. I want to say he's been on maybe 10 seasons as a pro. He's never had much luck, um, partly because he's had bad bad partners for a lot of the time. But he's had some good ones, too. And, you know, Gleb's a very good-looking man, and his dancing is great. But the choreography sometimes I think is lacking with his partners. And I feel bad for Mel C because like I said, I think she's a dark horse and I hope Gleb steps up his choreography this year because she needs to be showcased. She can only do so much with her dancing ability. And part of the responsibility of the pros on these, this show is that they make their partner look good, whatever their talent level is. And, you know, 
people get on Derek Huff, the six-time champion, because he's had a lot of good partners. Well, he has, and so has Mark Ballas, and so has Val Chermkowski, just as many good partners. But Derek has won six times because he's the expert at taking his partner and highlighting her strengths, whether it be through the dance or through the teaching of the dance. Very rarely did you see his partners get frustrated with him or upset with him because he wasn't teaching in a you know an acceptable way. You see it all the time with the Eastern European judges that it's kind of their way or the highway. I'm a little concerned about that with Gleb. Not that he's a taskmaster necessarily, but um, Mel C is really good. And I hope that, uh, like I said, he comes up with something to kind of showcase her and show her off. Okay, the last performance of the night was Suni, the Olympic gymnast. Again, everything she does is solid uh, technique-wise. All the gymnasts that have been on this show have that in common. They're really, really good about that. Their problem is going to be, SUNY and, and, and all the gymnasts except for a couple of them, you don't smile and you don't like overly perform when you're a gymnast as far as like a character. You are what you are and you do the routine and you, you have rules to follow and you don't smile, smile. Well, that doesn't go over well on this show. And Suni's a young girl, a young woman at, I think, 18, and she's got to come out of that shell. And as Bruno said in his critique, dance is kind of like a performing art. And everybody, well, I should say everybody, a lot of people can do the moves, but the key is to make those moves look effortless and to make them look enjoyable and fun to watch. And that means smiling. That means uh, doing different things with your arms and your legs that accentuate the dance and maybe even your facial expressions other than smiling uh, to show that you're engaged in it, that you're performing in it. And she's going to be around a long time because of the judges say for sure. Um, And she would anyways, probably everybody loves Olympic gymnasts, but uh, she's got to come out of that shell somehow. And that's where her partner, Sasha has to help her with that. He didn't do a very good job with Simone Biles. She finished fourth in her season and she was fantastic dancing just as she, as Suni is but uh, hopefully he'll come through for Suni and get her to kind of emote a little bit more and uh, have it you know be more of a performing artist rather than just doing the technique or whatever okay that's a little bit of the breakdown of Monday night show now what we've been wanting to do here and I do a couple things that kind of look at the history of the show and it's important to me to do that because I got a lot of time to kill here and we can only talk about the dancers so much, but it's been an incredible show for so long. And there's so much in the way of, uh, you know, history, great dances, great characters that have been on the show. And as a result, I've come up with a group of top 10 lists. And you got to remember, these are just things that are my opinion and, you know, they're not, uh uh-oh, there we go. I say that word opinion. The old opinion alert got us again. Yeah, um, these are my opinion. And if you're a fan of the show, you're going to have a different list. And especially with this one, I got to tell you, this top 10 list for the worst, I don't know if I even told you what it is yet. My top 10 list for tonight or today is the worst male dancers that have been on the show. And this was a tough one for me, mainly because I could have had a top 30 list. Uh, the men in general on this show have not been great dancers in comparison to the women. A lot more better women dancers than men dancers. And in fact, when I do the top 10 female list, that's going to be tougher because, um, I mean, it's going to be easier because there's less of them, but it's going to be tough to find 10 to get on the list because, uh, maybe not, maybe I can come up with 10. But like I said, with the men, t- 
tons and tons and tons. No problem coming up with the list. And uh, one thing I wanted to say up front too is that I'm getting rid of the old guys. You know, Martin would be on the list this year's participant of one of the worst dancers ever in the history of the show. Uh, Buzz Aldrin would have been on the list. Geraldo Rivera would have been on the list. Uh, gosh, so many. Oh, Billy D. Williams. My God, how could I forget him? These were men that could barely move, and they were all in their 70s. And again, I don't want to come down on them too hard, and that's why they're not on the list, because there were things they can't do anything. There, there was things they can't do anything about, like their age and their, their bones and everything. The only uh, really... I don't know, good male dancer in his 70s, in my opinion, that's been on the show is Tommy Chong. And when I say good, I'm doing it with quote marks. Um, he was limited too, but Tommy was always the coolest guy in the room. And he did have a couple really good dances. And in fact, he had one of the most funny dances ever that uh, is going to make one of my lists down the road. We'll talk about that someday. But anyways, no more, no old guys on the list. And then this was tough for lots of reasons, but number one, some of the guys lasted forever in their season because we didn't have the judges save. And, you know, how do you compare a guy that had seven dances in a season to one guy that had one dance and was eliminated? That's really, really tough to do. But I'm just throwing some names out here. So uh, hopefully you'll agree with most of them, or at least that they need to be in the discussion. And let me give you an honorable mention here. One person I hear on most people's lists that I think is a little unfair, or at least it is for me because I liked him on the show. And that's Steve Wozniak, the co-founder of Apple. Man, I've never seen such a guy that, that was so enthusiastic and tried so hard. And he always had a smile on his face. And, you know, his dancing ability was limited. He actually did the worm in one of his dances. Uh, oh, boy, go back on YouTube and find that. But again, he was, he was a joy to watch. And so, Steve, because of that, even though you probably deserve to be on the top 10 worst male dancers list, you're not going to be on it. You're just going to be an honorable mention because you were so uh, fun to watch on the show and a great participant, good for the show overall. Uh, to me, he was a guy for the greater good. He didn't care if he looked silly. He was going to go out and do his best, and he's going to do it with a smile on his face. So congratulations, Steve. Okay, let's get to the list. Top 10 worst male dancers. Number 10, Joe Amabile. One of the bachelors, he was on just a couple seasons ago. You know, a lot of people will say, well, gosh, he finished in sixth place in his season. He doesn't deserve to be on this list. Well, Joe was not a good dancer. Bachelor Nation kept him in long, long, longer than he should have. He probably should have finished second to last that season, which would have been five or five, four or five spaces lower than he should have or higher than he should have, I guess. I don't know what's the right way to say that. He should have been in 10th or 11th or 12th rather than sixth place in his season. And the big thing for Joe was he just didn't improve. Man, he did a trio dance with another bachelor guy and his partner, or, you know, Joe's partner. Oh, just cringeworthy to watch. And it was, you know, fairly late in the season. So if you don't get a little bit better as time goes on, you might be on the list, and Joe is. Uh, number nine on the list, Charles Oakley, basketball player just last season. I'm not going to belabor the point. Basketball players, you know, they're six foot eight or taller. Uh long, lean. They look really weird with their partner because they're a foot and a half taller. And most of them don't have dance moves. I don't know what it is, but there's something about basketball players that, that just doesn't work. Not just the look, but the actual movement. And, and also, Charles was older. He was almost 60. Uh, Iman, the guy who's uh, on this year, the basketball player, you know, he's 31 or two or something. So obviously, you're going to move a lot better than a 60-year-old guy. So Charles is number nine. Number eight, Michael Bolton. He was in uh, season 11. 
he finished in 11th place, so they got it right. Only David Hasselhoff was below him. And he only had two dances. So it was hard, again, how do you compare him to Joe Amabile, who had 11 dances? But his second dance, his jive was so bad that it's earning him a spot on this list. You know, David was, uh, David Hasselhoff was voted off a week before, but I don't have him on the list because I only saw one of his dances and it was tolerable. And Michael's first dance was okay, but his second one was pretty bad. It was a jive. And I've got a little audio here. And this is just Bruno kind of laying into uh, Michael Bolton. It was one of those dances that wasn't really your cup of tea. All right. Okay, Bruno, what was the tempo rub going on? Michael, I am a dog lover, but you make it so hard for me. You should have kept that bone and gone back into the doghouse. I mean, no, it was a doggy mess of a jive. You did it all very, very, very badly. I, I think this is probably the worst jive in, in 11 seasons. No, well, that's all you need to hear there. It, it, Bruno kind of let him have it. And uh, Len actually came back on a little later and kind of st- stood up for Michael a little bit because some of those judges' critiques can get pretty uh, brutal. But don't get me wrong, Len has had his share of being very brutal to some people. And, and I think they've all said at various times over the course of the show, they sometimes regret saying certain things that they were a little too harsh maybe, but it's in the spur, uh, spur of the moment and it was a pretty bad jive. So we'll cut Bruno a little slack there. Um, so Michael Bolton, number eight, number seven, Jeff Ross, a comedian. He was in season seven way back, uh, finished in last place. He only had one dance and to give him a little bit of credit, he, uh, had his cornea scratched in, uh, the practice session with his partner, Edita. And I can imagine that was probably very painful. His eye was all puffy and red and it didn't look good. So he was probably not in the best frame of mind to go out there and dance. But, you know, he's just like most of us. He's not a dancer. He's a comedian and uh, kind of an awful dance. (laughs) Uh, Number six on the list, uh, good old basketball player again, Clyde Drexler. Now, this is going way back. This is going back to season four. And Clyde was such a good guy, such a gentleman that it was hard to put him on the list, number one. And number two, the judges, you'll hear Carrie Ann say here that, you know, she, he's a good guy, but she lets him have it. I'm going to play a little audio from, uh, their, their critique. Clyde lasted, uh, five dances in season uh, four, and I'm not sure why he lasted so long. I didn't know if he had that big a fan base in basketball or not, but he was a very likable, good-looking guy, and that always does well on this show with the women voters. But uh, he finished in eighth place, probably should have finished in last or second to last. Um, and here is Carrie talking, uh, or Carrie Ann talking about uh, Clyde's dance. <laughs> <laughs> Clyde, I know you're a gentleman, right? But this was so polite, sanitized. It was like a rumba under an anesthetic. I don't know. And then, at the end, you do a lift. And about the footwork, I'm sure. Len, I want yeah. plenty to say. Not your best, to say the least. Carry on. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to be very frank. You're the worst dancer in the competition. And tonight was really bad. You're so charming, and I think people would love to go out dancing with you, but you got... There just wasn't anything to that routine. And then you are not supposed to lift. You're not allowed, so you broke a rule, too. So I'm sorry. Oh, I can't wait for this. Len? So we're not going to play Len's remarks because Len was very positive again. He was he was trying to, I think, diffuse the negativity that was going Clyde's way. And uh, But, you know, like I said, sometimes the judges just have to lay it on the line. And uh, Clyde had a rough go, even though he lasted five dances. Number five on the worst male dancers list, Michael Waltrip. Season 19, seventh place. We had Michael on, I believe it was just last week. 
the most overrated dancers in the world are on this show's history. He, uh, boy, he's on two lists now. Look at that. Uh, he had nine dances that he was there for in season 19, finished in seventh place, probably should have finished 11th or 12th. Again, way farther up than he should have. I don't know if NASCAR has a big fan base. I guess they do. And if, I don't know if anyone told them to go vote for Michael because I don't know how he lasted as long as he did. Again, another very nice gentleman, smiled a lot, good looking guy, tried his, his best and it just all fell flat. So, uh, even though he lasted five or nine dances and finished in seventh place, Michael Waltrip, my number five worst male dancer of all time. Okay, let's get to number four, and we're going way back in the season's histories here. Uh, season three, guy named Tucker Carlson. You may know him. I think he's on Fox News and some kind of political guy. And they've I've seen a lot of memes of him or pictures of him on the internet, and he's always scowling and looking very uh, unhappy. But I got to tell you, from what I remember about season three, he was he was surprisingly pleasant. Uh, you know, he didn't bring any of his political stuff with him, which was fantastic. And no, and most people don't. But uh, he smiled and he gave it a good try and he had a good attitude. Uh, he just was really, really bad. And so we're going to listen to uh, what Bruno had to say about Tucker Carlson. <laughs> uh oh. I know. Uh -oh. <laughs> I anyway. love that you had so much fun. So far, you look like you had the best time on the dance floor. And I love yeah. it. That's the best part. <laughs> but I have to say, it's a dance competition, and you didn't dance for half the numbers, so I can't really give you a good score on that one. I'm sorry, I'm but sorry. I'm glad you had a great time. Thank we'll you. See you. <laughs> Thanks for coming. She's taking a happy plan. Well, Tucker, the best part was the start. All the problems started as soon as you stood up. <laughs> <laughs> but let me tell you, I think you are a natural ballroom dancer. I think the Walls, Foxtrot, Quickstep and Tango there are going to be your dance. Yes, I agree. Let's hope you're back next Thank week you. for that Quickity Quickstep. Okay, Bruno. <laughs> what an awful mess. Oh, and what, and what, you spend I... half of the routine look like you were sitting in a toilet. I'm sorry, that was dreadful. <laughs> Bruno, mess. No, 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 no. <laughs> Good old Bruno. So he kind of let him have it, obviously. And uh, Tucker only lasted that one dance. So uh, Tucker earns the number four spot here as the top 10 worst male dancers. Uh, number three, uh, again, a basketball player. I'm not going to belabor the point. Lamar Odom, just a couple seasons ago. Lamar is so tall and so lanky that just standing with his partner, Peta, it just looked awkward. And, you know, I would have forgiven him, not forgiven him, I would have forgotten that if he could dance. But, of course, he couldn't, and he was very stiff and wooden and, you know, everything else you can say. Uh, the only reason he lasted a couple weeks was, I believe in the first week, he wasn't in the bottom two, and in the second week he was, and uh, Ray Lewis had to go home anyways, the uh, football player, because he was injured. And that's how he got to the third one, the third week, or became the, th the third person eliminated. But Lamar Odom, number three. Now we get to the top two, and these guys are in a class by themselves. And ironically, they're both from the same season. Season two, talk about going way back. How many of you people out there listening to this were around for season two? Well, as you know, I've seen every episode and I was around for this and I saw this dance. And again, you can't not like Kenny because uh, he smiled a lot and joked a lot and he knew he was a mess and he just rolled with it. Uh, he only lasted one dance. And um, let's just listen to the judges here. Well, 
They're about to let you know, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> Carrie Ann. How are you guys tonight? I don't even know what Thank to you. say. <laughs> oh, no, wait, now. Now you want to hear it? Now, actually, you know what? I appreciate it and loved your commitment. That was the most committed dance, if you want to call it. But I'm not going to make any more comments on your dance. All right, Bruno. <laughs> that was demented. It was like <laughs> Pinocchio chasing Jeopardy Cricket across the room. It couldn't have been more wooden. Oh. <laughs> well, good old Bruno telling it like it is. Uh, again, we've talked about this. Sometimes people are so bad that they can't contain themselves, the judges, and they just got to gotta let them have it. So Kenny Mayne, my number two worst male dancer of all time. And in fact, the 200th show that Dancing with the Stars did, it was a, you know, a special commemorating the 200th show. They had a vote on a few categories, and one of them was worst, worst dancer ever. And of course, that 200th show would have been through 10 seasons. And Kenny Mayne won that. Now, my number one person should have won it, and everybody knows it, but my guess is he would not come back to accept the award, and Kenny Mayne would. That's another great thing about Kenny. Kenny did Dance Center with Jerry Rice and Len Goodman for years after his appearance in season two. Uh, he came back and uh, was just part of a lot of stuff with the show for many, many years. So, you know, it pains me to put him number two, but he, he deserved it. He earned it. So anyways, let's get to the number one on my list. So this is the number one, how about I say this, the number one worst dancer? Just a, anyways, the worst male dancer in the history of the show is, oh, oh. one Master P. And this should be a shock to no one who's watched this show. Anytime I ever hear anybody talk about worst dancer, whether it be the pros or the judges, <laughs> the fans, everybody brings up Master P. And he was season two along with Kenny Mayne. Of course, he should have finished last. Boy, there's a there's a double. Which one goes first, Kenny or Master P? Well, I would have put Master P first. But he lasted a few dances and ended up finishing in seventh place. Just ridiculous. Giselle Fernandez was after him. Tatum O'Neill was after him. And, you know, this was an early indication of, okay, we need the judges save. And it took him, what, 28 years or 28 seasons to do it. But uh, yeah, he didn't want to be there. I may have talked about him because I think he was on one of my lists here too the last two weeks. Uh, he was on there for some reason. I can't remember now. It's already running all together. But uh, we played some audio of the judges lambasting him. He was there because his son Romeo was supposed to be on the show and couldn't do it because of uh, an injury. Romeo came back later and performed on season 12. But uh, I guess the only credit you give Master P is he actually went and did it at the last minute. Now, having said that, you know, he pocketed a cool 125000 just for going on the show. And then he stayed for two or three weeks, so he earned a ton of more money. So he was doing all right, a little money grab there. But he never bought in. He wouldn't practice. I think we played it a couple weeks ago or last week. He only practiced 20 hours when everybody else was practicing 120. Um, he wouldn't wear the costume. He would refuse to wear ballroom shoes. He wore a backwards baseball cap, and he just stomped through most of his dances. And I saw an old video on YouTube the other day. It was really sad, and it was very disrespectful, I thought. His partner, bless her heart, Ashley Costa, she might have been Del Grosso back then. She actually married someone on the show. But uh, she brought him, and I'm sure it was for effect on TV, but she brought him a, a present, and they were videotaping it, and it was a pair of ballroom dance shoes. 
And Master P looked at it, and I don't know if he swore or not, but he's, oh, no, I can't do that. And he just threw them down on the ground. I can't believe you'd get that. those for me. And he kicks them across the floor, and I'm like, I don't know. I just thought that was kind of disrespectful too. But he made it known every week that, hey, I come from the hood, and I got to do things my way. And I guess that's okay. But I, in, in reality, I'm always a big fan of when in Rome, do as the Romans do, you know. And uh, all he had to do, he was getting paid a ton of money to come on there. All he had to do was kind of buy into the costume and give it a try, and he really didn't do it. So my top 10, number one, worst male dancer of all time, Master P of season two. Okay, there's a little uh, top 10 list for you. Why don't we jump back into a little ticket audio here? Um, most of this will be Dancing with the Stars related. I think one of them isn't, but uh, even that, I think my drop was in it. But uh, for those of you that uh, aren't familiar with the ticket, it's a radio station here in Dallas. I'm an engineer there. We kind of covered all that stuff. I've said it before, without the ticket, there would be no uh, Dancing with the Stars podcast. So the guy's got a big kick out of uh, playing with me and, and, and doing things with a ticket. Oh, I'm sorry, with Dancing with the Stars. And every once in a while, I don't talk much on air, and I never do really unless it's Dancing with the Stars related. Um, but every once in a while, I would come on and say, well, this person was on Dancing with the Stars. And the guys would usually run with it and have a great time with it. And it was a lot of fun, really enjoyed it. And unfortunately, um, I've come to recently not find out that this probably won't happen much more. Uh, I've kind of got an edict that I'm not supposed to be uh, talking about much anymore on, on the shows. So uh, these uh, masterful bond mots and these pieces of gold, you won't hear much anymore. But uh, here's one where the hard line was discussing Antonio Brown. And I, of course, had to tell them that he was on Dancing with the Stars. His, his, the prolific nature of Antonio Brown is just staggering, as those numbers suggest. Yeah, pretty good dancer, too. Oh, was he on Dancing with the Stars? <sighs> Dancing with was. the Stars. Did he win? Dancing with the Stars. No, he finished Dancing in fifth place, actually. Oh. What year? Just last Dancing year with the Stars. stars. <laughs> Dancing with the Stars. 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 A fun fact that I did not know, that Antonio Brown was a Dancing with the Stars contestant. Well, yeah, He was with Von Miller, too, last year. Oh, they got the football game. Dancing with the Stars. 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 Oh my gosh, that is so sweet music to my ear. If you heard in the background there, the founder of the station, Mike Reiner, just laughing his tail off. And uh, gosh dang, it was that silly little thing. You know, they're, they're playing the drops, just pelting us with the drops. Corby's saying, all right. And then he joins in with it. So uh, little fun things like that. that uh, isn't it fun just to laugh a little bit? Okay, um, the next one here is, let's see, we were in uh, Minnesota. And boy, that was a big week for seeing uh, Dancing with the Stars participants. And Super Bowl week always is because a lot of athletes, of course, there have been 23 football players that have been on uh, Dancing with the Stars. And then just kind of a lot of, I don't know, celebrities, uh, pseudo celebrities show up and they're, they're usually, you know, promoting something or doing something, I guess, for their brand. And so it's easy to run into some of those folks. Well, in this case, it was Nancy Kerrigan. And of course, she was on Dancing with the Stars, season 24. And I had run into Nancy the very first day 
of me engineering. It was on Monday for a Super Bowl week. And I walked in, it was in the Mall of America in Minnesota. And I walk in and there's Nancy Kerrigan just kind of walking around with some dude. And I guess it was her husband. And, you know, I, I'm normally very reserved and I never go talk to anybody or women. And I'd have, you know, just out of, and of course, this is Nancy Kerrigan. It's not just any woman. But I just don't do that. Well, when Dancing with the Stars is involved, I don't know. I, I, I get some guts or whatever. And I went up and talked to her. And she took a picture with me and talked with me a little bit. And I asked her some questions. Well, that was it. I wasn't going to bring it up ever again. But um, the hard line is talking here. And they have the musers with them. George Craig and Gordo. And you guys that know the station, you know, they're legends at the station. They were there from the beginning. And whenever those five guys would be on during Super Bowl week, Oh my gosh, it was just the greatest radio in the world for a longtime listener. I would just sit back as the engineer and marvel at, at what those guys can do. So uh, they're talking about Nancy Kerrigan. And again, I don't really talk online very or on air very much, but when it comes to Dancing with the Stars, I kind of feel like I need to say something. And so I showed Corby a picture of me with N me and Nancy. And then uh, let's see, we'll take it from there. He, she stood out more than I did. To him. Tony quickly just produced this photo of he and Nancy Kerrigan one-on-one. -on -one. Oh, yeah. she's a Dancing with the Stars person. Oh. Is she? Oh, yeah. oh dear. Is that how you corralled her? Oh, yeah, man, as soon as I show did. her, yeah. I, said, I just walked in the door. I'm like, <laughs> first Dancing with the Stars she's person. Like, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, are you from Minnesota? That's him. Yeah. I know, but are you in, in real life? From Minnesota. No. Corby Dolphin laughs. Tony only understands himself as a character. Indiana. Because you could be from Minnesota. You have kind of the personality and the accent. Indiana, I guess it's pretty close. Yeah. Kinda. It's, it's yeah. Midwest yeah, salt of the her. earth. Yeah. Yeah, she's pretty. Oh, she? yeah, she is. Well, you ever shield dancing with the stars? <laughs> uh, 24. Yeah. How'd she finish? Season 24? Four. Yeah, and 24 was like a topsy-turvy season, a lot of shocking topsy elimination. She should have been higher, but she finished sixth. Mm. Top five quickly. He knows. Hang on. Top five. Unreal. Top 24? Five. Yeah. Probably my, one of my favorites for Shot Jennings was your champion. Um, second, well, he shouldn't have been second, David okay, Ross. Okay, don't editorialize. Just give us the top five. Well, David Ross, but he's the greatest overachiever in the show. There's more. He's doing it again. Um, it's all right. Let him editorialize. <laughs> Leave him alone. <laughs> Normani you don't realize Corday. how unusual this is. Who? Uh, Normani Corday. She's in Fifth Harmony, one of those girl bands or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> and let's see, that was... Let's see, that's one, two, three, uh -oh. see, and then there was four. Was, I think it was March Lundergarten. <laughs> oh, um, the gymnast, Simone Biles. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, yes. Um, there you go. Yes. Unbelievable. <laughs> Well, there you go. A uh, little musers, a hard line talk. Again, I just smiling from ear to ear when I listen to that. That's the genius of those guys. Uh, with everything they do, the questions, the fake voices, you know, Gordo's just amazing. Corby's dolphin laugh. Mike sits back and lis listens and laughs. I think he appreciated what they were all doing too. Uh, one guy that wasn't though, and you may not have heard anything from him, was one George Dunham. And uh, Giorgio, we've talked about him before. He does not like the bit at all. And at the very beginning, if you hear that, oh, Junior says, oh, yeah, Nancy was on Dancing with the Stars, wasn't she? George goes, oh, it was like a groan, like, you know, someone had just punched him and it was, the air was coming out of him. And then if you notice, you don't hear him laughing. You don't hear him participating. George breaks my heart. I don't know why you hate it so much. I think it's uh, internal hatred for me, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> Junior likes it, or at least he used to. And then Gordon got on there 
and uh, Gordon does what Gordon does. And uh, I think Gordon's indifferent to it, but as long as you can uh, have some fun with it and laugh, uh, of course, he's all over that because he's the master. Uh, let's do another one here. This one here doesn't have a whole lot of Dancing with the Stars. I think it's just one drop in it. But for my ticket listeners out there, I wanted you to hear this. And you kind of always heard, I'm sure, about uh, tear talk. So there's, uh, there's this tear system that Junior came up with at the station. And <laughs> I've never really known exactly, you know, who's on it. And it changes from time to time. But again, this is the uh, hard line and the musers talking. And somehow it came around to the tear talk. So uh, we're going to listen to that here in a second. <laughs> what? Or, what? Put that tear thing. Well, you're stop gonna, pointing out people's tears. <laughs> you know what that is, don't you, Mike? The tear system? I'm not sure. He's right. teared everybody, every employee up here. Oh, He's really? Teared. Yeah. Everybody's on a tier. Go ahead and it, share the tier. It came up system. because uh, at the campound last year, we to organize some activities for everybody, I organized a tier four hike for Killer and Tony. <laughs> Sorry. So, so. They weren't allowed to move until he yeah. told tier four. So tier four can't... All the other groups had already gone off and yeah. had their fun. They were just waiting for their orders when tier four... It just... Every... Every society craves order, and the ticket is no different. We crave order. Everybody wants to know their tier. So I, out of the kindness of my heart, I put together the tier system so everybody will know their so place. So who's on, who's on tier one? All the full-time weekday hosts. Okay. And then who's on tier two? Tier two is vacant. <laughs> See? <laughs> He keeps tier two vacant to keep a little space between him and That's anyone else. That's a good else. idea. Who's on tier three? Oh, then you get to your uh, producers. Uh, Danny's on tier three. Danny's tier three. Uh, ticker guys. Tell him thank you, uh -huh. Danny. Thank you, Danny. Right. <laughs> That's about it on tier three. And, and then, then tier four. Tier four is Tony and Killer. At one point, he put Killer. He moved Killer to tier seven. And there, I think there were a couple of empty tiers between well, Killer and everyone else. <laughs> what was the original scenario of the hike? This was maybe before the tier system was set. I don't know what you're talking about there. The, the scenario that he laid out with yeah, Tony? He said that he would lead the tier four hike, and he would take him out into the woods, and he would take his gun, <laughs> and that true. he would put peanut butter on the end of the barrel, and Tony would lick it off, and that would be his last meal. <laughs> Because, that. yeah, Gordon did because he said that tier four is worthless. <laughs> that is so <laughs> not true. Well be that dead. is so yeah. made up. Right, and replaceable. That is made up. <laughs> Who's on tier five? I couldn't even come up with that in a million years. And that you were doing him a favor. <laughs> not only so by ending it, but by the last meal. So because ridiculous. it was full of protein. I can't even imagine <laughs> just smiling Tony with his old deer tongue coming out. And <laughs> with the stars. Working the barrel and... Kind of ease right. it up over the site, back around, and try to get all the crevices. Ah, yes, uh, a little ticket fun there. There was a Dancing with the Stars drop in there, but uh, some tear talk. <laughs> That's for the ticket fans out there, and for myself. I'm sitting here giggling myself. So I was um, looking through a lot of the old audio that I have, and you know, you come across tons of stuff. I'd love to bring a lot more of it to the air, but uh, you know, this is Dancing with the Stars talk. But we do have plenty of ticket audio related to Dancing with the Stars. Now, you've all probably uh, heard this drop multiple times. 
Fancy Weather Stars? Ah, of course. That's the drop that they used to play all the time when I would come on or whatever. And, you know, it's a very robotic. And this is actually, I actually said this one time um, during Why Today Doesn't Suck when it was a Dancing with the Stars person. Again, unfortunately, I don't think that's going to be allowed anymore. But uh, we got this one anyways. And this was for Ron Artest, of all people. Fancy Weather Stars? I don't know why. It was just real robotic, and I did it that way that day. And, of course, Mino and his brilliance pulled that off, and that's been the, uh, the call signature, I guess, for me uh, going forward here. Well, there was another one that he took, and he slowed down. And in this little clip here, uh, you'll hear Danny doing it himself with his voice, but then you'll hear the actual slowed-down version, and I think we got a Corby cackle laugh here, too. It's like he just got a concussion and the doctor's standing over him saying, okay, just just tell me one TV show. Yeah. Ah, yes. Just have a little fun again there. Uh, and, and look at Mino coming up with that. What a great, uh, great thing Mino just said there. Okay. Well, that was a little palate cleanser for Dancing with the Stars talk, but we do, do need to get back into that. And uh, one of the things I also like to do along with the top 10 list is we look back at prior seasons and, you know, 30 seasons, that's a lot of seasons to look back on. And there's so much history. There's so many notable events that happen and they get lost, you know, in, in history and in time. And uh, I want to bring those back here uh, this season on the podcast. So we did uh, one through three the first week, uh, four through six the second week. And now we're going to do season seven through nine. And, you know, I remember it like it was yesterday. Okay, well, let's look back at season seven. It premiered in the fall of 2008, had 13 couples. They actually went up one couple. There were 12 in in season six. Your champion was Brooke Burke, who later became the co-host of the show with Tom Bergeron three seasons later in season 10. Second place went to football player Warren Sapp. Third place went to NSYNC member Lance Bass. And this was a dominant season by Brooke Burke. There was really no doubt who was going to win. Season seven had a, I guess you would call it a down cast, uh, you know, less talented cast. So she didn't have a whole lot of competition uh, to worry about. Um, to show you how dominant it was, she's the only contestant that got a perfect score this that season. And she got three of them, perfect 30. And if you watch the show, you know, in the later years, the judges have eased up later in the season and they give out a lot more tens than they used to. And so that was pretty impressive. She's the only one to get any, and she got three of them that season. And then she also finished with the largest margin of victory in the history of the show for a champion. So on the judges' scorecard, she was at uh, 27.1, and then the next closest person was 24.8. That's 2.3 points ahead. That's huge in Dancing with the Stars history. You know, almost every season is going to have a couple good dancers. And it wasn't that Warren Sapp and Lance Bass were no good. It's just... Brooke was so much better, and the scores certainly showed it. Other things in season seven, Cloris Leachman participated as the oldest contestant ever at 82, and I don't think that'll ever be broken. 
And uh, she, uh, they had to, to bring in somebody really for her because all the pros, you know, were in their 20s or early 30s. And you got an 82-year-old woman. So they brought in uh, Mark Ballas' dad, Corky Ballas, who was a professional dancer back in the day. And uh, I don't know how old he was, probably mid-50s, but who knows for sure. But that was much better... Uh, Pairing for Cloris Leachman, who at 82 couldn't move a whole lot. But what comedic relief she provided. She finished seventh that season, never should have finished that high. But again, there was no judges save, and she was entertaining, and all the fans knew her. So uh, Cloris Leachman, the oldest to compete at 82. Unfortunately, she passed away earlier this year, and that makes four people that have passed away that have been on Dancing with the Stars. Other notable from season seven, Misty May Trainer. Olympic volleyball player. She had to withdraw. She became the second person to withdraw in the history of the show. Uh, and she was the first to withdraw for an injury. She tore her or ruptured her Achilles tendon in practice. Pretty severe injury. But I think she recovered from that and actually went back and got in the Olympics again. But uh, pretty scary when it happened because those tendon, oh, those Achilles can be pretty bad. And then there was a pre-famous Kim Kardashian that was in season seven. She finished in 11th place. Not a very good dancer, but uh, it was still fun seeing her there. Good looking woman, of course. And this was before she became so big and famous and went crazy. So uh, fun to watch that. And then Brooke's partner, Brooke Brooks' partner was Derek Huff. And this was his first mirror ball of six to come six total anyways. And it just continued the Huff Ballas dynasty that we talked about last week. That's when Julianne Huff, her brother, Derek and Mark Ballas came on the scene, young whippersnappers, and they won seven of the next eight seasons after they joined the show. Big, big part of the success of the show. Go to season eight. It was in the spring of 2009. They stayed at 13 couples again. The champion was Sean Johnson, the Olympic gymnast. Second place went to Gilles Marini, kind of a Latin lover kind of guy that uh, was an actor and is an actor, I guess. And third place went to Melissa Rycroft, here, a local resident here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And uh, I would argue that this is the greatest final three of all time. I would love to have anybody email me and take me on here because I'd love to hear it. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of other good ones. Season three was incredible. Season 10, not too bad. Um, I could go down the list, but uh, man, Sean Johnson's arguably a top five female of all time. Definitely a top 10. Same thing with Gilles Marini, arguably a top male, five male of all time. Definitely top 10. And then Melissa Rycroft to show how good she was. She finished in third of those two. She came back along with those two and competed in season 15, which was the all-star edition. They brought back the best dancers or some of the best dancers, and Melissa won that season. So somehow she got better over that time, and she beat both Sean and Gilles along with a lot of other great champions, Emmett and Apollo and a whole bunch of others. So, boy, again... I would love to hear if anybody thinks there's a greater final three of all time than those three. Also, Sean Johnson was the youngest champion at that point, 17 years old. She was since replaced by Lori Hernandez in season 23, who won at 16 years old. This was, according to the producers of the show, the closest vote in the history of the show. Gilles supposedly lost out to Sean by less than 1%. And... I bet that's probably never been challenged. They don't, we don't know because they t they're very careful about never telling us the fan vote. And I'm surprised they even told us this. But I'm convinced that one of the reasons he lost, since it was that close, was his freestyle. Freestyle is the last dance of the season. We've talked about that, that the fans had to vote on. And back in the day, it meant something. The judges actually graded it according to dance quality and not just 
you know, feel good, give everybody tens like Halloween candy. And it made a difference. It was the lasting impact on the fan vote. If anybody was undecided, that could really sway a vote. And Gilles did a dance. My God, go back and look at this on YouTube. I, I even hate to talk about it. Gilles was such a good dancer and it was his season to lose. And he was so far ahead on the judges scorecard. Cheryl, his partner, had him dance to Irene Cara's Oh, What a Feeling, or What a Feeling, from the movie Flashdance, I think. Number one, bad song for the freestyle. And then she dressed him up in 80s attire, like 80s workout attire, very effeminate, very not cool for a Latin lover kind of guy. And then the choreography was very, again, emasculating. He did a lot of pointing and a lot of weird moves, like workout moves. And, you know, he did him okay because he's a great dancer. But boy, you put a bad song with a bad costume and bad choreography, you're getting a bad result. And I swear he lost votes on there. And I think he lost the competition. So that's just an example of how the freestyle could lose you a competition. And then you got to look at season 14, that how it could win you a competition. And we'll get into that down the road. So sad outcome for Gilles Marini there because I think he should have won. Any notables? Let's see. Um, Jewel, the singer Jewel was scheduled to be on the show. And at the time she was married to a guy named Ty Murray, a rodeo guy. And they were set to be the first married couple to compete in the same season. Uh, Lisa Renna and Harry Hamlin had competed in different seasons earlier, but that would have been something to see. It then happened later with Nick Lachey and Vanessa Lachey, but it took a long time after that for that to happen. But Jewel got hurt and she had to drop out. So that didn't work. And then Nancy O'Dell was also scheduled to be on the show that season. And she got hurt too, just before the season. And Melissa Rycroft came in to uh, fill in for her. And boy, was that fortuitous for her. Not only did she get a name and a reputation there as, as, as third place, she uh, became a friend of the show and has come back multiple times and then won season 15. And this season is also another good example of good women dancers going home a lot earlier than they should have and bad male dancers lasting a lot longer than they should have. Again, you won't see that anymore because of the judges save, but uh, in this season, season, season eight, uh, Denise Richards and Belinda Carlisle went home one, two and a guy named Steve-O from Jackass fame and Steve Wozniak, who I mentioned earlier, those two guys lasted several weeks after those two women. Uh, just crazy, but that's the way the show was built at the time. And then uh, Sean's partner, Mark Ballas, he, uh, was again part of that Huff Ballast dynasty that was going strong at that time. Okay, season nine, uh, the fall of 2009, they went crazy here. They had 16 contestants. I don't know what possessed them to do that. That's a lot of contestants, and they kept it still at 10 weeks. So that meant they were going to have to have three double eliminations uh, throughout the season. Kind of, kind of interesting. They never have been that high since, although the last two seasons they've done 15 dancers. Um, your champion, Donnie Osmond, second place, Maya Harrison, third place, Kelly Osborne. Uh, Donnie wasn't the best dancer that season. Hell, I don't know if he was third best, maybe. But uh, Maya Harrison, the second place person, was the best dancer by far. Uh, again, she had no chance of winning because, don't get me wrong, I don't have a problem with Donnie winning. He He is a good dancer, really good, not as good as Maya. But... We all know that it takes more than good dancing to win this show. And Donnie had it all. He's a showman. He's an entertainer. He's a performer. He's done it his whole life. He knew how to engage the crowd. And the other thing is that you can't 
you can't fight is that he was the demographic darling. The old women who voted on this show back then, I'm sure Donnie Osmond was all over their, their walls when they were kids, you know, as a poster. And everybody loved Donnie. And he just wasn't going to lose that season. And to show you how bad it was for Maya, she has the largest margin of victory on the judges' scorecard. Maya, of course, won the judges' scorecard that year. The largest margin of victory on the judges' scorecard to not win. I know that's kind of com complicated the way I said it, but she was so high on the judges' scorecard, she had uh, almost a two-point margin over Donnie, and uh, I think it was Joanna Krupa, and she still didn't win. No other non-winner has had that big of a gap between them in first place on the judges' scorecard. That shows how good a dancer she was. And, uh, you know, I often wish they would bring back, like she would have been a great one to bring back for the All-Star Edition. Maybe she didn't want to come back. I don't know. But people like that, that were so clearly the best dancer of a season and they didn't win. I always thought you needed to bring them back and have an all-star edition of, of former champions or, or I mean, people that could have won and they tried to do it in 15, but they populated it with people that didn't belong. And it was not that great of a season in my opinion, but uh, it'll never happen now at this stage, I'm sure. Oh, and one other thing, Donnie was uh, the oldest champion at 51, actually just a week or two ahead of his 52nd birthday. So he deserves a lot of props for that. It's a very physically demanding grind going through 10 weeks and three weeks of practice on this show. And uh, he did it. Uh, other notables, Tom DeLay, uh, some kind of senator or congressman in the government. And boy, he was kind of a controversial selection because he was under all kinds of uh, federal indictments for, I don't even know it all, money laundering or conspiracy or racketeering, all that weird stuff that seems like all those congressmen do. Anyways, he got convicted of it, I think, but then he got off on it or something. I don't know the whole story, but he was a controversial pick and he did have to leave because he uh, had some foot fractures. So he became the third person to have to withdraw from the show. Um, one of the most wronged people, she didn't make my mo most wronged list. And I just kind of remembered her this week. She might've belonged on that list. Uh, Natalie Coffin, the Olympic, uh, swimmer. And, uh, she finished in 10th place, probably should have finished fifth or sixth, maybe, maybe even higher than that. We'd have to go back and look at her dances. She was a really good dancer. And then this was the last season for Samantha Harris as a co-host, uh, after that, Brooke Burke came in and Brooke Burke did it from, let's see, season 10 to, I think, through season 17. But Samantha was great. In fact, if the four co-hosts, co I would say she was probably the best in terms of just asking good questions and being knowledgeable about the show. Oh, and uh, let's see, uh, Donnie's, Donnie's professional partner, Kim Johnson, who's my favorite pro dancer of all time. She was the only person that interrupted the Huff Ballas dynasty we're talking about here. Of the seven Huff Ballas winning seven of the eight years, Kim won the other one. And you could even extend it out. Kim won in season 12. And then uh, let's see, who won season 13? Now, nah, let's not even go there. I'm not, I might be off kilter there. But anyways, Kim was the one person who broke up that uh, Huff Ballas dynasty thing. Okay. Well, we need to talk a little bit here before we go about our contest. Um Last week, we asked a question, and hopefully you guys listened and got an answer. Don't tell anybody. We're going to do it again this week. And at the end of the season, uh, I guess a little backstory here first. I have given away a trip to see Dancing with the Stars in Los Angeles live and in person for the last five years now. And they have been so much fun for me. I've met some cool P1s, people that love the show and know the ticket. And you don't have to know the ticket, but you do have to know the show. Uh, and they've had as good a time as me 
or better, I think, uh, from a couple of the people. They were screaming so loud, and, and it's a blast to go out to the show. Now, I haven't been to the new show with Tyra, and it's going to be hard to go this year, I think, because of the COVID mess still. But I'm hoping for season 31, next season, next year, we'll be able to go to the show again. And I would love to take someone with me on the trip. Now, if this works out, hell, I may be taking three people next year because I'm going to do this contest also on the Hang Zone. So if you want a second chance to win it, the Hang Zone is the bad radio show. Oops, bad radio. That used to be called the bad radio show. Now it's called the Hang Zone. Hang Zone is the show on from 12 to 3 on the ticket. And every Tuesday at 1220, I go on and do a Dancing with the Stars Minute, a little recap of the uh, previous night's show. And then we uh, give away... Um, another question for that, that show to get a winner to go to the show next season. So there's going to be a winner. Here's going to be a winner. And then last year's winner, I don't know if we're going to make it out this year. So gosh, we may have three next year. How crazy is that? But um, what we're doing is we're asking a question from last week's podcast and you just write it down in your little Dancing with the Stars notebook. And at the end of the podcast season, which is only, gosh, there's probably only six, seven more questions left. Uh, whoever gets them all right goes to the show. If there's a tie, we'll do a little tiebreaker at that time. So the question, last episode, episode two of the Ballroom Blitz, I mentioned a pro slipped during their routine with their celebrity partner. doesn't happen very often that the pro slip. It certainly has in the history show, but not too often. But it did happen last week in the premiere episode. Which pro is the one that slipped? during their routine. And that's all you got to do. Just uh, write that down and we'll turn it in at the end of the podcast season. Turn out the lights. The party's over. <laughs> they say that all good things must end. Call it a night. The party's over. And tomorrow and next year starts the same old thing again. Yeah. All right, there's Dandy Don Meredith uh, telling us it's time to go. We don't have to go home, but we do have to get out of here. And another thing we like to do when we finish up each week is we want to play a song by a contestant that's been on Dancing with the Stars. You know, there have been a ton of musical guests on Dancing with the Stars over the year. And uh, it's kind of fun to highlight it, I think. And, you know, just, whoa, there it is. That's <laughs> a little loud. See if you can figure this one out. recognize that? This is the Osmond Brothers, and that's not Donnie there on lead vocals, but he is definitely back there on keyboards, and he's certainly singing, and I thought that would be fun to play a little Donnie Osmond song. Could have done Puppy Love or a lot of different ones, but this is one of my favorite Osmond songs from back in the day, Down by the Lazy River. Of course, Donnie Osmond, we just talked about him, season nine champion. Not the best dancer in his season, but what a showman and entertainer and performer. So a deserving winner. Okay, a big thank you to Josh for letting me use his studio again this week. TC's got a lot going on. We may be in his studio next week, but thanks again to Josh for letting me use his studio. And, of course, I want to thank you guys very much for listening. Uh, we're going to be back next week. It's going to be Brittany Night on Dancing with the Stars. That's right. Britney Spears songs are going to be used for every dance on Dancing with the Stars. 
I didn't know she had 14 hits. The first of them had to be a hit, I guess, but she might. I mean, she was very prolific, I guess, when she was banging out those songs. So anyways, next week, Brittany Knight. Of course, we'll have another elimination, and we'll be back to talk about it all next week. So until that time, this is Tony the Engineer. Thanks a lot for listening. Bye.